Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 355. We're on a, an extended stopover in New York for like a day on our way from Portland. Sit in a hotel room really late at night after traveling all day, uh, just watching <laughs> videos of Chris Hadfield <laughs> wringing out a washcloth in space, handing over the uh, command of the International Space Station uh, from space, and just kind of wishing uh, he was my uncle that I could just have come over every once in a while. Your uncle? I just want him to be my BFF. Maybe, yeah, well, like a BFF slash uncle. So your best friend by relation, like he has to come over because he's your uncle. Yeah, there's an obligation factor right. to it, but he doesn't mind because he's cool. And then he basically just comes in every night and he goes, hey, just before you go to bed, just so you know, everything's okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just such, such a friendly... He just says it's such a friendly, like, in control, but not aggressive, you know, not like that aggressive male in control thing. The mustache negates it or adds to it. I don't know. Oh, it's Canadian, so it's all fine. (laughs) I guess that's Everything's Everything's good. Um, We're on our way to London uh, soon to, I'm doing the Leicester Square Theater May 15th, and then today, ah, shit, I'll just tell you, um, we're in New York, and we're going to podcast Rick Moranis, which is a really huge deal for me, and, uh... Uh, Matt Myers, unfortunately, well, fortunately or unfortunately, he can't join us because he's going to be in, um, uh, he's going to, he's at Disney World, I think, and then Jonah, uh, f- just flew Jonah in just to be able to, to do it, so uh, we're very excited, we're recording that, that'll be up in the next couple weeks, and so, uh, yeah, Rick Moranis, I just, I don't even know, I don't have no words, I, I, I have no words. Um, also, I'll be performing at uh, Ram's Head Live, May 24th in Baltimore, and then May 25th, 9.30 Club in D.C., uh, so those are dates that are on the Nerds website, nerds.com slash calendar, and a bunch more coming up. They never stop. I'd like to thank Stamps.com for sponsoring this episode of the Nerdist Podcast. Don't waste time and energy driving to a post office and then barking and then getting out of your car. Uh, it's just fun to be like an exasperated teenager about everything. I don't want to go there. But you don't have to because you can print out official U.S. postage using your own computer and printer. Stamps.com will send you a digital scale, automatically calculates the exact postage you need. You're not going to waste any money. And they'll help you decide the best class of mail based on your needs. There's no guesswork. Take care of your mailing and shipping whenever you need it, 24-7, right from your desk. You'll never have to go to the post office again. They'll pick it up. Postman will pick it up right from your house. So there's a promo code, as always. Nerdist is the promo code for the special offer. $110 bonus offer includes a digital scale and up to $55 of free postage. 
Don't wait. Go to Stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Nerdist. Uh, I, I do have to give a shout-out to our to uh, Nerdist listener, Donnie, who sent Flight of the Dragons to Dominic Monaghan and then got an outgoing message from Dom uh, because he found it and sent it, who also has a tattoo on his arm that says, <laughs> enter, the enter the promo code and then the Nerdist logo. It's so It's so awesome. <laughs> so thank you, Donnie, for um, emblazoning your arm, your forearm, with Enter the Promo Code Nerdist, <laughs> which fits any of the sponsorships that we have. This episode is Stephen Yun, uh, and maybe you've heard of The Walking Dead. He plays Glenn. Seems a great guy, and uh, he. Uh, we recorded this like five or six weeks ago, but I held on to it because he had done a flurry of podcasts because he was in Los Angeles, and so he sort of... He sort of did, you know, he did uh, Ackerman's, and he did, uh, I believe he did, uh, maybe he did Indoor Kids, too, or Pete Holmes, or he did it, he did a bunch of them, so I was like, yeah, I'll hold it for a few weeks so people aren't, so people don't go, oh, I've already seen the, I've already listened to him on four other podcasts, so that was just for that one guy that's in my head, that's always in my head, I don't know who that guy is, but he has a stranglehold on my brain. Same voice every <laughs> single time. He sure does. Uh, so uh, this is a, this is a, us hanging out with Stephen Young. I think there are really, there's not any really spoilers on the show that I'm aware of, but you know we will still talk about The Walking Dead. Uh, this was before the finale aired, so uh, I don't know. I mean, I'll just say for safety's sake because I haven't heard it since we recorded it. There might be mild spoilers up to that point in the series, but um, I don't think anything too, too, too major. But my guess is that if you're going to listen to a podcast with Steve Young, you're probably mostly caught up on Walking Dead anyway. Uh, so I don't know what to tell you. I can't control the events of your life. Oh, man, it'd be really fun if I could, though. Really fun if I could. I'm going to work on that. Nurse Podcast 355 with Steven Young. Now entering Nerdist.com. That Studio B, that little studio for Attack of the Show, was all of G4's programming, and they would just flip it. X-Play was there, Web Soup was there in the beginning, Attack of the Show. They just put in back, different backdrops? Yeah, or they'd flip, the, they'd shoot in the other side of the stage and <laughs> drop something else, and then X-Play just went to basically being a green screen show. Oh, man. Anyway, I started recording. Oh, yeah. That's how I fucking do it, man. Yeah. But I at least wanted to tell you, just in case. I hate everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hate everybody. Canadians should go back to Canada. God, oh my them. God, Stephen, what are you doing? Fucking fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Young making the podcast rounds, which has made apparently you said made Scott Ackerman very suspicious. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, he brought it up, and I was like, "That's a great point. Why am I doing all these podcasts?" <laughs> You are. <laughs> Maybe I uh, retroactively. You know, who knows? Who knows, who knows what's going to happen? Who knows? I mean, it's hard for. Uh, <clears throat> it's hard for me to, and I don't really ever find out anything too far in advance of 
Walking Dead. Everything is pretty much for me the day that it airs or the day before. Or there was one time where I had to watch like three days before because I was interviewing Andy Lincoln. And ah. so I had to know about that episode. And, right. But in general, I don't know anything that's that's coming up. And I just I pity I pity the ones like yourself who have to carry all this information around and constantly be on guard and be like, oh, shit, did I? OK, good. I didn't spoil anything. Oh, did I fucking? Oh, I want to blurt anything out. <laughs> like I would just live in constant, it's constant state of anxiety about that. Yeah, I mean, like what's scary is like you don't even, you can't even try to not spoil it on a case by case basis of, okay, this is the episode or this is the next episode. You just don't try not to spoil it. Period, because you know everything. Yeah, you know every single thing that has happened. <laughs> so you're like, what episode? What happened in this episode? Well, yeah, that that happened when we were doing the Paleyfest panel where Andy started to say something and the yeah. Kirkman was like, ah! and he yeah. was like, never mind. Yeah, yeah, and that stuff happens all the time. Especially because he doesn't watch the show. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's got to be, yeah, not even that, but like, you know, for me, I get anxiety um, for myself and also for all of us because, you know, if we're doing something like Paleyfest, you're sitting thinking like, I hope everybody's on the same page. And like, I'm kind of a control <laughs> freak like that where I was like, well, let's not spoil anything. And then you hear, like Andy was kind of talking and I kind of had that Kirkman kind of reflux. So I was like, ah, don't, don't say, say it. it. Ah. Don't say it. Freaking and by the way, hey, Matt Myra. Hey. We literally just sat down. Matt. Yeah, That's I've Matt. I've you before, I think. Um, oh, an attack probably. Or... Bowling. Maybe you were at bowling one time. Nerdist bowling one time. Did you bowl? You didn't bowl with us on Walking Dead. No. Um, Luckily, you guys probably won without me, right? Fucking this guy. Oh, yeah, I heard about him. That you know, was, that was there, there, don't, don't talk about that. You, it's not wasn't luck. You're a fucking good bowler. You know, there's there are people... There are people who are from... I just bowl straight. ...what I call the bowling belt, which is like the middle of the country mm -hmm. from the Great Lakes down to like the Gulf of Mexico. There's like a fucking strip <laughs> of... You know, these, like, blue-collar towns who, like, if you're from Ohio or Illinois oh, yeah. or Missouri, you are prob you probably bowled in high school or college. or So guys like you and Ham and all these people are fucking really good bowlers. <laughs> That's totally true. I mean, like, I remember we would, I mean, you know, I grew up in an area where there's a lot of kids, uh, there's a lot of Korean kids. And when we were just bored... We would all take over like four or five lanes and like we'd be like, look at all these Korean kids bowling. <laughs> and the thing is, is like, you know, you get competitive amongst your friends. So we're sitting there like keeping track of our scores. Uh, it was back in the day when we had to keep our own scores and, you know, like just oh, the old overhead and, projector. Yeah, that stuff was awesome. Burn your forearm on the glass because it's fucking <laughs> oh, that's a hot God. light under there. My dad usually kept those scores. You uh, you shot like 204, I remember. And that was Fucking that was incredible. I'm gonna tell you that was my best score in my entire life. No, it was. That's what I'm saying. Like that was a great the occasion. Game. I yeah. do the opposite. <laughs> you know who else rises to the occasion? <laughs> Glenn rises to the occasion. Sure, he does. Glenn. Glenn. Glenn would have bowled a 204 that day. Glenn would have bowled a 204 that day because <laughs> that's what would have been required exactly. of him. Exactly. Glenn totally would have bowled a 204, <laughs> and it, he would he would bowl exactly the perfect amount needed. No more and no less. You know what? You guys are all in Atlanta, sort of. Uh, Woodbury versus prison <coughs> bowling. Just settle it that way. Yeah. You know, actually, I pitched to uh, Tom Luce, our, our producer. Um, I asked him, could we do go to Sky Zone? 
and like have like a giant dodgeball sky zone match. I don't know if you know what sky zone is, but it's a trampoline. Oh yeah, yeah, I've padded seen sky trampoline zone. place. Oh, and I wanted to have like a giant trampoline dodgeball match, and he was like, "You're out of your damn mind if you think we're gonna let you guys do that <laughs> and potentially hurt <laughs> each other or get broken feet or something." Well, that's the rap party then. Yeah, I don't know. Even then, man, is I wish we could have done it though. That would have been awesome. I would have pelt someone in the face. Oh, by the way, it occurred to me that I didn't properly explain to people that the reason that Andy Lincoln does not watch the show is because he doesn't want watching his performance to affect his his take on the character. Yeah, I mean, which oh. is very interesting. I think I think the way he does it. At first, I was like, "Ooh, I w- I kind of want to watch myself," but you know, as ever most people are, that it's hard to watch yourself anyway because most people hate themselves, and what? I hate myself. Quite something quite fierce. Come on, yeah, no, you have such a friendly face. Is there a fire oh. raging inside? There's a giant, just ember of just, just terrible, terribleness. All right, inside. that makes sense. You have a comedy background. I'll, I'll <laughs> let it. I'll let it slide. Super depressed. No, I mean it's just uh, you don't like watching yourself because you're like, look at that asshole on the screen, like well, making you, stuff up. You also don't want to get into the headspace <laughs> of like if you start noticing things, go, I do that. Yeah. And then you're in your head when you're working, which you can't be in your head. Oh, yeah. So actually what I started doing is, you know, they give us the ob- ability to start watching the episodes like as we're shooting. Uh, we'll like all have a cast and crew like screening. And at first I would go to watch. I watched the first one. And then I was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm not watching <laughs> anymore because we're st- we still have stuff to film. I'll watch now. In post, but we still have stuff to film at the time. So I, I was like, ah, no, I'm not watching because I am a miserable, sad sack about it. So. <laughs> It'd be I, interesting if we stopped down the podcast to listen to the first half of the podcast to see what the second half of the podcast would be like. <laughs> yeah, if you really inform yourself. Like if you really were, like took real notice of anything you were doing, if you're referencing yourself too much. Gosh, you I'm saying like a lot. Yeah. I do the no, lip smack, and I really need to get about four quarters further away from the mic. I mean, listen, if there's anything that we know, it's that comedy <laughs> and performance in general are so much better when you're super hyper aware of your own... <laughs> <laughs> Of <laughs> your own delivery system. When you can Nothing. speak to yourself from your brain as yeah. you're talking. Yeah, when you really are gripped with anxiety and fear about everything you're doing being stupid, that's the best place to come from when you're giving any kind of performance. That's actually, I mean, that's it's so true. I mean, um, I did a, I, when, I, when I get back with like a couple of my Second City friends uh, and talk about touring company or, or jumping into like a, a set, that to me, hands down, was maybe the most terrifying experience performance wise out of anything I've ever done in my entire life. Touring company of Second Touring, City? Yeah. I mean, touring company itself is great. But what happens is like a Monday, on Monday nights, there'll be a touring company home show. So uh, um, with one uh, team that's not out of the three red, blue, and green will have a home show at the theater. And you can play on their set at the end if you're part of the touring company or if you're an understudy or if you're just in that group. And there's nothing more terrifying than jumping into someone else's set because they have the audience warmed up to them already. It's their kind of stage and you have to be there and kind of not do too much, but also be potent in every moment that you're on stage. Sure. So you're just terrified. And also all the producers are watching to see if they actually want to put you on a touring company. Oh, shit. So I remember... There was multiple Mondays where I could have gone, 
But I had to, I would go, and those were the days where I could conquer the fear and anxiety of even like thinking all this stuff up and being like, what am I going to do? How is this going to go? And then there were days where it totally crippled me, and I'd be like, you know what? Today, I think I'm just going to stay home. Really? Yeah. And it's, it's really crazy like that. So, um, all of your stuff is improvised on Walking Dead, right? There's a lot of improv, and they tell you they oh, they, yeah, yeah. they go freeze. Okay, your occupation is you're a guy in the apocalypse, <laughs> yeah, and your location is the apocalypse. Yeah, and then I, and then I, sometimes we get like a camera guy and we play pillars. <laughs> we just tag him, and then it's like, what is the next line of dialogue? <laughs> Everyone, if you, there's some scenes of Walking Dead, you'll notice go, goes through the alphabet. The first letter of every word from each character <laughs> yeah. is the next successive letter of the alphabet. And then you get that guy that's like, uh. uh uh, got to go to the bathroom. Damn it. And you can't even use Z for zombies because you guys don't say zombies on the yeah, show. Yeah, it doesn't exist. Oh. We say zebra a lot and xylophone tons of times. <laughs> you get X and Z. <laughs> I think a lot of people know that your background is uh, is uh, you're a Chicago comedy guy, which is, I mean, is so, I mean, I really hope you understand how fucking fantastic that is for you and your career because for people who don't know that, when you start getting to do comedy and they're like, Oh fuck, that guy's funny. Like that's it's fucking on. It's so on for you. So. I'm so excited for your career. <laughs> well, I'm terrified now. Uh well, I mean that's that's the thing is like, you know, I've also been out of it for so long that I'm kind of worried as to where I stand, you know, with that personally. I mean, I play on the weekends to like keep sharp or to keep sane, but I don't know. Maybe I'll just become this depressing schlub. Mm, nah. The, the more depressing you get, maybe the funnier That's you get. That's actually pretty true. Just look to your right. That's <laughs> Matt Myra is sitting to Stephen's right, and if you keep looking right, it'll really come around this way in a very in a very non Euclidean fashion. And then I'm to your right as well, in, a, in an Perfect. orbital in an orbital sense. But uh, sad room. <laughs> <laughs> sad room. I mean, the you know we I talk about this because I've moderated a ton of panels with you guys now, and I am always amazed. It it, it it does it, it is interesting to me that you're able to because people go oh acting acting how hard is acting you fucking go up and you pretend to be someone else it's like yeah but you know especially for a show like this if you live this these characters and all day long you are you are as emotionally spent as you can possibly be in almost every scene. There's no way you're not going to take that home. How yeah. do you like, how do you, you like that? You're, you're training your brain to go to certain places and you're going to get stuck there sometimes. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's not fun. I mean, I, I will have to, I will say I, I'm, I'm convinced it, however long the show lasts and however long each character stays on, um, there's going to be a case study on our show. Cast and crew wise, in terms of what happens post traumatic stress wise after this show, just because literally there are moments where we're like, can we not catch a break? Can we not go to a Starbucks in this scene and just relax? And you can't, even on twenty four, you know, like he, it's it's disaster for a whole day. But there's scenes where they're relaxing at, right. to some degree, but for us, it's like every scene is so jam-packed with something shitty going on or something developing that's still emotional. Maybe it's not shitty, but it's great, but it's super compact and potent. So, Well, yeah, you're either about to die or trying not to die or someone <laughs> just died. The suicide rate would be much higher. In the, in the apocalypse? Eh, pro probably. Much higher than it's portrayed, mm, I think. Probably. Yeah. I just went to a screening of... Um, 
I didn't. I hadn't seen the movie yet. I didn't know much about the movie, but it's a Seth Rogen movie. This is the end. Have you seen the trailer? Oh for it? yeah. The, the, is it called This is the End or is it? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. called. Yeah, it's called This is the End, and basically, he's at a party at James Franco's house with like Jay Baruchel, like all these people, like you know, all, all uh, these Craig Robinson and Aziz <laughs> and Mindy Kaling and Michael Sarah and all these people, and the apocalypse happens, but they're them. That's awesome. And it's fucking, it's a really... It's did you, a, you watch the whole, you watched it? I did watch it, yeah. Was it good? It was, was it, funny, yeah. That's it, crazy. It was, it was, it was, I mean, it's, it's super inside jokes. I mean, they're obviously just making fun of each other. Sure. But, uh, but you know, a, a different take on the apocalypse. But I always think, the thing I always said about Walking Dead is that it really does kind of feel like, oh, if there were an apocalypse, this is, if this kind of apocalypse, that's probably what it would be like. Like, every day would be... We're probably not going to, maybe we'll live, I don't know. Sure. Or, or, I mean, it's also, you know, even if they are in, at the beginning, like, broader archetypes of survivors and, like, the, the, the kind of the gamut it would run of, like, who's who and what you do, I think from an audience perspective, it's cool because you can latch on to those characters and be like, I would be a Glenn or I would be an Andrea or I would be a Rick. And you take that. Then what happens is as this show... That'd be a show, Merle. You'd be a Merle. <laughs> you're, not a, you're not a Merle. Oh, I sure am. <laughs> Trap my, my hand up. Watch what happens. Okay. All right. <laughs> oh, just that part. Just that part. That's oh, it. Like, all oh. of it. <laughs> well, but then what I love about the show and, and you know, even continuing on with, like, what I know, uh, uh, you know, even with, like, Scott's taking it over, it's going to be fantastic because we're trying to now tell a story of, like, ever-evolving characters. Mm -hmm. So you latch onto that archetype from the beginning and then you're like, where can this guy go? Oh, wait. I don't know if I would go that way. What I previously thought. He would. I, I thought he was on this trajectory, and then he goes a different way, but then he comes back. I think that's fun, and I think that's interesting also for the current time too, because I think the world's gonna end. <laughs> I'm I'm spending money like crazy, guys. <laughs> what? No, I wait. buy I buy everything. Save some of it. <laughs> no, I don't need to. Steven, world's gonna end, guys. Maybe not right away. No, pretty soon. I think I he's right. Like... I think he's right. I got enough money for a billion years, and then. <laughs> I'm just dumping cash, guys. <laughs> Left and right. <laughs> oh, that would be a hell of a YouTube show. <laughs> what, Steven's dump? cash dump. <laughs> Steven's cash dump. Steven Young is so convinced that the apocalypse <laughs> is happening that he's getting rid of every cent that he makes. <laughs> all material possessions, throwing them out as I drive around. There, just, was, there was a show like that in the 50s. I remember seeing it in a rerun. In the 50s? In the 50s. Uh, is that an age joke? Yeah, it was. You're old. I'm not old. I'm older than <laughs> the you. The joke is that you're old. Okay, 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 okay. Um, uh, wait, wait, I, I get it, I get it. So this, this show was that there was a millionaire, mm. and he would basically go around and find people for whatever reason that needed help, and he would just give them like a million dollars. And it was not a real show. It was a scripted show. There's a, isn't there a show called Secret Millionaire that is on like a channel, like TLC or something like that? And I don't I know. Don't know. I don't know if that's the premise. Or like the boss, the boss show, the undercover. Yeah, boss undercover show. boss, great show. I enjoy it's... Undercover Boss Canada. <laughs> Why? Because they're, they're more nicer. generous. In, they're just more generous on Undercover Boss Canada. Our boss Gord's a pretty good guy. And you know what? Oh, never. Yeah. You never. You know what? Never comes up in Undercover Boss. The fact that the part-time employees need health care. Because it's already set up. Oh, that's totally true. No, because on Undercover Boss in America, it's, it's always, like, I'm going to give you benefits. Yeah, I'm going to extend you know, that I'm to your I'm going to make kids. you benefit. 
You know, but undercover Canada is like, oh, I'll give you a house, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so funny you, you see these. Oh, hey, you want me to come buy and mow your lawn for you? <laughs> see the, the, these bosses who go undercover and they get they get in the trenches. It's just like at the end. I just wish they would be more honest and be like, well, I've seen what you guys go through, and now that all these cameras are here and all these people are going to see me do this act of kindness, here you go. True, and I wonder how much of it is actually paid by the production. It's probably not. Uh, that's right? a good point. That's a good point. Probably. probably I'd love to, I'd love to follow it. up with the employees and find out. Like, <laughs> did you really get all that shit? That guy who put on a fake nose. Said there's, you were a, there's a that's new. True. There's a new show coming out on uh, on Food Network. That's called like Be the Boss or something like something to that effect. Where it's like a hidden camera show where the employees of of restaurants, like a uh, franchise restaurants, like a Quiznos or something like that. Uh, they get tested with like the shittiest day ever. So like they keep sending in like awful customers, Ooh. the worst. And if they make it through the day, at the end of the episode, they are awarded with their own franchise. What? <laughs> that oh, <wow>. is amazing. <laughs> right? You know, just to be fair though, just because someone can deal with cranky customers doesn't mean that they should take <laughs> over a franchise. Well, That's I, a pretty substantial so leap. True. I'm sure there's, some, you know, I'm sure they get the. He's like, oh, he didn't lose his cool. Do you know how to do the books? <laughs> oh <laughs> fuck. What What's time a, should we close? I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> I work at the counter. The books? What do you mean? Like gray, gray, Fifty Shades of Grays? <laughs> <laughs> we have to read that? Guys, how do you preheat this oven? No clue. I guess you heat it up before. Pre means before, right? I'm just front of house. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. All these taxes you have to pay. Uh, I don't know. What I should know. we do with this fry grease? Drink it. I don't know. I didn't, What do I know? I, I, I'm ringing so people true. up. That is super uh, true. So many great shows on TV. <laughs> In addition to The Walking Dead. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I was staring. Are you freaked out at all by it? I mean, obviously, you know, show? you guys knew pretty quickly that the show was going to do well. I don't think anyone predicted <laughs> that it was going to be one of the biggest shows on television. Yeah. Um, I freaked out for a second. I, I really freaked out for a second. Like, um, and then not, NBC really freaked out. They're like, <laughs> watch us. <laughs> I mean, I, I bugged out for a second in terms of, um, you know, I don't know how typical careers go. I'm sure there's no, you know, you know, perfect way or however it goes. But, you know, some of the people that have those gradual climbs, um, maybe they can take it in stride as they go. Uh, for me... I'll be honest, I went from improv to getting paid, like, at my peak, like, freaking out about, like, a $900 a month. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, be like, yeah, I'm that's, balling. That's some good fucking money right yeah. there. Yeah. And then you For go doing to, improv. Yeah. Cash yeah. dump's a 40-second show, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I just bought a, I bought a, I, bought, I put a down payment on an Omega watch. <laughs> you get some down payment. You Down payment. <laughs> The interest on this is ridiculous. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, for how this show took off, it was all of a sudden that, you know, one day I could walk into a Best Buy and browse the game section and buy whatever I want. Like, it, it, take the time to buy whatever I want. And then now, like, the next day I was at the game uh, game section and people were like, yo, what's up? Can I take a picture? And that freaked me out personally because... I don't know. Maybe I'm just I'm not prepared for it, or maybe I'm not the personality type that is. Let is me give you a little advice, Stephen. Here's what you do: <laughs> you say to the person who wants to take a picture, you "Go, what are you racist? Everybody thinks I look like this guy." 
not all Korean people look the same. That's true. You, that's you what got, you say. That, that's no, what but you got to say. I should say that, but what happened was that actually deterred people from coming up to me a lot of the time. So I'm probably getting, Oh, it's a blessing. It is. It is. It's great. If um, you know any Korean, you should just start speaking Korean at them. Yeah, but then that perpetuates that we're foreigners. And that is where I sp- no, oh, draw the are, line. You're enough. You have you make the you have the finest barbecues in this <laughs> fine city. Wuleo right is now. a very good restaurant. Ooh, hey, if you guys want me to take you to a good barbecue, I know a place that yeah, I'm on board. You guys I've, do not know. Are about. you sure? Yup. My oh. assi- my assistant Monica is Korean, and she, I, <laughs> oh, I shouldn't admit this. I when Gangnam Style when I first heard it I asked her to translate it for me. <laughs> I'm like, what's he saying? Yeah, why not? Because I, if you did, you get the real translation. I did, and it turns out to be like a really like in depth social commentary on on the, on, on the on rich. This, yeah, the, on the rich people, like basically the Beverly Hills of of yeah. you know of Korea of South Korea. But and, then it turned into just a song yeah. and dance. In yeah, the States. exactly. <laughs> really great song though. It's I mean, what I'm not gonna. It's a great song. Have you seen the Have you seen the Gangnam Style, there's a Gangnam Style restaurant. Yes. On Western, I think. Yes. Yeah. That is, that is, um, I used to live over there, so I know my Korean barbecues. That is for me, like, that is a, a point of contention and also a point of pride, uh, as being a <laughs> Korean person, <laughs> which is like, we are the fastest mofos in getting, like, popular culture out there. Like, if, if, like, you know, something random broke up, like a phone, like a Samsung phone blow up, there'd be a Samsung bar like like that. Gangnam oh, wow. Style bar like that. <laughs> Just They're very good. You get it going immediately because you, you have no time to waste. South Korea is ahead of us in technology. They have, uh, you know, like South, South Korea was one of the cultures that was, um, they were basically consuming stuff on mobile phones like five mm-hmm. years ago. Like they're so far ahead of America. Oh, yeah. You know, you know oh, I like, love my LG TM510. That was a great phone. What Lucky, is <laughs> Lucky Gold Star? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what's crazy is like when I went to Korea um, just two years ago, they gave me like this really crummy flip phone that I rented, and from that crummy flip phone, I could stream chats on it, video chats while I'm walking around. Like I would get phone calls from my cousins, and then I'd be like, "How how are you talking to me like this?" And we can't even do that with the best technology now, unless we're tethered to a Wi-Fi. Oh, that's so. What the heck, America? Yeah, yeah seriously. seriously, America, what's together. happening? Seriously. Get it together. Have you seen the Kia Optima? It's fantastic. <laughs> it's reasonably priced, too. Matt, why are you so mad? I just want us to do it. Okay, we'll do it for you, buddy. Ford we'll... Fusion's, like, just catching up. Fine, we'll build a better car. When this podcast is done, buddy, we'll build a better car, Thanks, and then I'll Fred. read you a story. <laughs> um, do, you, uh, it, do you feel more pressure now when you're doing improv and stuff, where people are like... Hey, I know who that guy is. That's why I actually only play at one place, and I try not to tell anybody that I'm playing. And if you come, you come, and it's cool. And if you don't, like, cool, let's That's pressure. what I'm saying, ladies. Sorry. That's all right. Ah. Oh. If you come, you come, it's cool. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, Matt. Ah. Uh, yeah, so I just, I mean, I just play. It Really, for me, it's like... um. Even in improv, I actually love bombing because that to me is like you're just stewing in it and it's fun. <laughs> you know, when you get to that point where you're like bombing so hard, you're like, I'm actually just going to keep riding this out. Yeah. Because what can I do? It's well, at a certain fun. point, at a certain point, you just make it fun for yourself. Yes. And that's, that's, that's it. it's, yeah. you don't, you don't want to be in that gray area with an audience where it's <laughs> like, they're sort of ambivalent. If they either love you or if they, <laughs> 
Sorry. If they absolutely hate that you. That is perfect. That, I wish Sure, why not? Someone's pushing a taxidermied... Mountain goat. A mountain goat <laughs> by outside. Oh, that one was less I really hope that's for the nerdists, though. <laughs> that goat's going to be on Fashion Police. Uh, it already <laughs> is. It's Joan. Come on. Am I right? No. She called the Dell fat, so why not? <laughs> oh, you're just mad because of Skyfall. Yeah. Skyfall's the best. God damn it. Steven, uh, we have to ask every guest on the show no, what they thought of Skyfall. We really don't have to ask every guest. What do you think of Skyfall? I watched Skyfall. Yeah? And uh, I thought Javier Bardem was awesome. Yes, he was. He, I, I walked away from that, um, I, I had fun. It was a fun movie. But what happened to me was like, watching Bardem take a completely anti-take on a cliche Bond villain was awesome. Like that one part where... Uh, Bond like uh, shoots through the ice and plunges yeah, down, yeah, yeah. and then his reaction just like ugh. Yeah, he was like his reaction oh. was great. Yeah, right. He just like oh, even his reaction at the end when uh, you know when he finally gets his comeuppance, he's just ah, yeah. <laughs> he's so angry about it. Well, and, that part where he pulled out his mouth, I was like, wow. That was I I movie. actually I rented Skyfall on iTunes, but I still haven't uh, I seen it yet. It? Oh, you haven't seen it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. No, I just rented it. I'll watch it uh, and I mean, when I'm in really one of the many airplanes I'm going to be on in the next <laughs> I want you two to months. How do you? What's your way of flying efficiently, like in terms of comfort wise? Do you do you have a method now where you can yeah, just first fall class asleep? or no class? That's this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Matt, I traveled for many years. No, I understand. To earn. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> well, yeah, I. Uh, I, I I did I made a deal with myself several years ago because I was traveling so so much. Yeah. And even when I I, pro, I probably was flying first class before I really should have been before I really could have afforded it, but I was like I need to afford it mentally because no, yeah. I was coming home after these crazy like day trips to the East Coast to perform, you know, sitting in a middle seat and my mm -hmm. back being so fucked up that I'd have to go get um, I would have to get steroid shots like at the what? base of my back because I was so twisted up and I was like you know maybe I, and and I started getting to a point where. I, I would like stand up dates would come in. I'd be like, I don't want to go. I don't want to yeah. do it. Cause it's like, I was, it was so, I mean like, you know, it's fine for casual traveling, but every weekend it's fucking, it's, 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 it was, it, it just took a toll. So no, I can't awful. even imagine what it's like to be a like, consultant, like a spoiled baby. So my routine for the longest time was I did have a travel blanket and then, a, and then a neck pillow. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I have my backpack full of my back. My now is I have an eye shade. If I'll bring a neck pillow, if I remember it, I got the iPad mini. I have the MacBook air. I have a backpack full of stuff. I travel with melatonin, which is great because melatonin makes me sleep for three to four hours. And then I wake right up. Really? Yeah. And so, so you per every time you fly, you're sleeping Regardless of whether it's in the middle of the day or if it's a red eye. You know, it's funny. I Yeah, I forced myself. I used to really hate flying. And then when I realized, like, well, you're probably going to have to get over that or you can't do what you do. Right. Um, I, I started conditioning myself to get really comfortable on planes and sleepy. And so now when I get onto a plane and I kind of smell the stale air and I hear the ambient noises, I get a little sleepy. And so then I'll take a melatonin and then just fucking pass out for like, you know, four hours or three hours or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's great. I fall asleep on planes all the time. I do too. Yeah. And, and, but for me, what I realized is like what, mess, what messes you up is if you are 
if you are privileged to uh, uh, have that to fly uh, first class or whatever class you're flying, you get food. And mm. the, the draw is like, I want to wake up for the food. <laughs> but then what happens is if you eat that food, it actually messes you up on the plane. At least for me, it does. So it's actually beneficial to just kind of sleep through the entire trip and then just skip that. Well, what's funny is they have the, what they do is they build in the meals as for where you're flying from. So, like, if you're flying somewhere, you know, you have dinner at dinner time. But then, like, when, we, when I flew into England a couple of weeks ago, I was getting in in the middle of the day and they were serving light breakfast like for uh, 7 a.m. But was, <laughs> I should have been having like a sandwich or something like that, you know. I bring food on the plane even though they serve food because what I find is that, you know, they have – I'm sure they have some sort of an algorithm like, well, X number of people usually get the meat dish. X number of people usually get the vegetarian dish. And so I, I feel like so many of the time – Oh, they're always out of what you want. They're always out of what oh, you want. Yeah. So, you know, like, oh, I'll just grab a sandwich and just bring a sandwich on the plane ah, and then okay. not even not even deal with it. So that's the other, that's the other part of the, the routine. the four seats in first class, they're out of whatever you want. And then uh, <laughs> and then I'll bring uh, – I'll, I'll go to – a lot of times I'll, I'll get some herbal tea and then sip some tea when I get on the plane and then just start to start to kind of – start to kind of relax. Uh, Debbie, who is uh, one of our talent bookers for the this and uh, the Talking Dead and, and the Nerdist TV show, she's she's got quite a drug cocktail she mixes for flights, Ooh. depending on how long they are, of like Ambien and uh, whatever the uh, what's the one for non anxiety? What's the non anxiety? Xanax? Maybe it was Xanax. I feel like it began with Zolans Valium. Anyway, whatever it was, some type of benzodiazepine. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. You, nerdist. SS. Uh, <laughs> yes. uh, and uh, and she was like, "When you go to England, let me know. I'll, I'll help you out." And uh, she's quite the pharmacist because I was ready to go as soon as I landed in England. Really? Yeah, I just slept for the correct amount. She's like, "Take a half." Not a fan of Ambien at all. The first time I took it was probably like seven or eight years ago. My dad used to take Ambien to sleep at night. And I was visiting him in Florida, and, and he was like, oh, take an Ambien. You know, you'll go right to sleep. And I was like, all right. So I took an Ambien, but what I didn't know is that you're, you're not supposed to take an Ambien until you're in bed ready to go to sleep. Like, you don't take Ambien uh, so like and then go, later I'll be tired, because when it hits you, it hits you. So I took Ambien, and we're watching TV, and I went to brush my teeth. And all of a sudden, my depth perception got really weird. <laughs> and I didn't know what the fuck. I was like, "What's happening?" Uh, and I, I then I then I started freaking out a little bit. So I was like fighting the sleep, like, yeah. "You're not gonna take me." It was one of those. <laughs> and I finally passed out. But then just the whole next day, just groggy. Like fighting I can't. I'm so sleep. sensitive to. Are I'm, you? Are you like? Uh, do you not like it when you're not in control of your body? Hate it. Me too. Hate it. That's where my biggest anxiety yeah. comes from. Is like. What's happening, it's, the bad side is that it kind of makes you a hypochondriac. The good side is that I don't take drugs because I could not ever handle, mm -hmm. if, I start, if my body started to feel weird, I'd be like, oh, that's a stroke, stroke, stroke. <laughs> yeah, there I we go. There's nothing they can do on a plane, which is that's the only place I'll take any drugs is on a plane. Yeah. Because if I'm going to die of a stroke, I'm on a plane, anyway, whatever. <laughs> I don't know if I really understand just, that logic. Yeah, I'll just it'll be like Commando oh, so the when, when he kills that guy crashes. next to him. Remember in Commando when he breaks that guy's neck and then he says uh, he's a heavy sleeper and then he gets off the, the plane. The only thing I remember from Commando is the montage is. of him getting ready. 
which is in sure. all early yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, yeah. and then them breaking through the wall and exposing that lady who's having sex in her breasts. <laughs> well, of course. Because was... I watched that with my parents, and my mom was oh, laughing yeah. hysterically like, you should not be watching this, but she still, still found it funny. Now, I remember Alyssa Milano. Was she not in Commando? She was yes. in Commando, yes. And was that not also the movie where he says, remember <laughs> now, when Ivy I said Poison Ivy 2 was the movie she was in Commando. Remember? Get it? Because <laughs> she wasn't wearing on. clothes. Um, it's uh, was that the movie where he said, "Remember when I said I'd kill you last? I lied." Yes. Okay. Good. Then I remember those two things about that. <laughs> remember those two things about Commando. I have an original Commando poster in my living room, mm-hmm. hanging on the. It says, "Let's party." Mm. <laughs> it's just towards it's quite a brag. Holding a grenade, and it says, "Let's party." Let's party. And that sold a movie in 1985. It you know worked. I could watch montages of people getting ready for war for hours. <laughs> Easy. Haven't Commando, you? Predator. Uh, no, it's that's, great. That's it's your job ready. now, though. Yeah, but we don't get those cool cutscenes. No. That's and true. Sam Raimi does it brilliantly in, like, Evil Dead when Ash is building the chainsaw hand. Right. It's, like, it's just like yeah, there's the no, snapshots. Like, and they don't drop in. Who knows? Maybe Gimple will be like, we need more montages, <laughs> and so we've licensed Bad to the Bone, and we're just going to oh. play it. <laughs> I love it! <laughs> it's just a bunch of shots of us, like, opening up canisters and, like, putting the gunpowder in leaves and then, like, wrapping them up. It's so funny, you know, people... <coughs> it's so funny how people are, nerds in particular, just about how, you know, we hate change so much, but then when you no, allow... We voted for Obama. When you allow it to happen... Then you get used to that thing. It's like, you know, when when Darabont parted ways with the yeah. show and people were like, oh, my God, this is going to be the end of everything. I can't. Yeah. Yeah, and then Mazar took over and was like, OK. Yeah. You know, there were those couple episodes on the farm that people complained about. And then all of a sudden the show was like fucking holy shit, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. then, you know, Mazar going to leave. And then people were like, you, know, you go on Reddit. People are like, what the fuck? What's going to happen? It's like, yeah. hey, you know what? The guy who created the show is still on board. Yep. The guy who does all the awesome special effects is still on board. Yep. The actors are still on board. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, maybe trust that the guy who invented the show with his brain probably everything's probably going to be okay. And uh, I mean, Mazar did an amazing job. Yeah. But but I want to what I want to try to say to the internet is like, <laughs> hey guys, watch something, then judge it. Right. No. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's that's the internet. I actually had this conversation with Kumail about it and and Emily about. How much do you think the Twitterverse is representative of the actual thoughts of the the rest of the world? Like of the well, we of people- could judge this easily by the box office of Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> what? <laughs> Hear me out, okay. Stephen. If you were just following Twitter, Scott Pilgrim was going to make Pilgrim like two hundred million dollars, a billion dollars. Like that's like that. It was the mm. buzz. Everyone loved it. Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. Mm-hmm. Scott Pilgrim, Scott Pilgrim, Scott Pilgrim. The movie comes out, and then it opens to not great numbers. Mm. And I think that that's, that's how you have to sort of gauge Twitter. Someone sent me an article that had like a demographic <laughs> breakdown of Twitter, and that actually African Americans are the largest demographic group that are engaged on Twitter. Really? That's true, yes. And that, you know, because I think, uh, you know, some of us think like, oh, no, it's all actors. And like, no, there's actually, there are groups of people yeah, that really actually con- are, are more yeah, influential yeah. on Twitter than you know, I, I. The thing that I found the most fun about Twitter is that it's <laughs> it's helped me connect with people and like get people on the podcast. Like I've actually literally connected with people just based on Twitter. But mm-hmm. just in terms of you know me saying like, hey, uh, there's a show happening Friday at 8 p.m. That doesn't mean a million people are going to show up at that show. Right. 
No, that, it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, I, that that that's what's interesting to me too, because like with with how people digest stuff, and also with the perception of maybe how Hollywood views, you know, what's going to be popular or not too, is kind of skewed now because we have what we think is it a is. direct uh, feedback, but it's actually not equal to what we think, and so I imagine how many. Poor choices have been made in the last oh like lots. five years. <laughs> oh, you mean not just by me, <laughs> right? <laughs> or I mean just like even of like you know if if you're a, a person that reads their own reviews or something like that or like takes Twitter responses seriously, like that could really mess you up. It yeah, did. Chris. It did for a while. I did let that happen for a while. I was a wiener about it and I was taking myself too seriously and, and I don't give a shit anymore. And it was so freeing. I mean, I get in a moment for some reason. I just made the decision, and I felt <coughs> so much better. Yeah, no, I, I, I freaked out too for a second, you know, because you, you get those things where people be like, "Oh, I love your character," and then be like, "You're an asshole." <laughs> like, you don't know but, me. Yeah. I'm a person. Exactly, and then you're like, right? "Ah, fucking who gives a shit?" And you know what's also interesting too is I, I and this is gonna get in, in the race category, which is slightly tender, mm-hmm. but, um. I'm very fortunate to play a character like this, period, as an Asian-American male, off the bat. Mm-hmm. I'm fortunate to play this character, period, as an actor. But um, to show like a character that exists, that is American, that speaks English, that you know has a love interest, can show growth, and all that stuff, is great. And so what I noticed from the first season to this season is the first season, you look up Twitter... And you look up certain hashtags like Asian Walking Dead. The first season, tons of like racist shit about uh, Glenn. Second season, <coughs> drastically lower, still there. And then started people started calling the character Glenn. Then third season, you will it's barely there now. And that's cool because that's a that that is what's cool about uh, what you can gauge from Twitter is like the direct influence of you know maybe. Uh, uh, Asian America or even any type of social change. You also weirdly just kind of mapped out Daryl's character. (laughs) Yeah, it's true, too. I was talking to Ali Wong last night, who's a great comic who did our stand-up cluster at Meltdown, and she said that one of the... um, one one of the wonderful things, one of the fascinating things about you on that show is that... That it's sort of, at least according to her, was like kind of sending some shockwaves through the Asian uh, American community in a positive way because it's like mm-hmm. it was the first time that an Asian man was on a show and a Caucasian woman pursued him, and uh. and that it was like a, I don't know <laughs> that basically you you play you're playing like a powerful character and not remotely any kind of stereotype at yeah. all. You're just yeah. a guy who happens to be. So what's the, what do you think the delineation is between? You know, is, is it cool to say, like, race doesn't matter, but then you're just a person. But then at the same time, where do you claim, like, but I still want to remain true to my heritage? Right. I, you know, this is where I'll stand on it is I always look at it from a post standpoint, as in I look retroactively instead of looking during and forward. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think once you try to make it about that, like uh, you get on a soapbox about Asian America and the changes and whatever. If you get on that soapbox presently and then work from that angle or look to get to that angle, I think that is a detriment to your to yourself and to the the whatever you're trying to accomplish. Sure. But if you look at it retroactively, I'm just happy that I got to play this through. So for me, when people say like, "Oh, you know, I've contributed to whatever 
that movement. I'm, I don't, I didn't do anything. <laughs> I, someone gave me a job <laughs> and I just try to do it to the best of my ability. Granted, I'm very fortunate to play a character that does do it, does not have to play into those stereotypes. And props to Robert Kirkman for writing a character like that. Uh, props to AMC for following through on that instead of recasting somebody, uh, 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 you know, uh, race bending it. Mm-hmm. And you can only look at that retroactively. And so for me, I that's what I do in that moment. But at at this point, my MO has always been and always will be do the best acting that you can and never fall short of that. And so for me, like, and I don't, I don't know if I'm there and I don't know if I'll ever be there, but, um, that's it. You know what I mean? I know, I know I'm obviously, I mean, people might consider me biased because number one, we're pals and number two, I work on the show that talks about (laughs) your show, but, but I can say in all sincerity that, you know, your performances on the show this past season have been fucking amazing. Like the, this, the, the, you, you know, when, uh, the one scene where you are, without giving too much away with the chair and that like fucking so good and Thanks, and I'm watching man. it and sort of feeling like oh I'm so proud of my buddy for fucking <laughs> he's fucking I was I was kind of that like he's doing it he's doing it yeah. you know like and it's been cool too thank you I appreciate that um I don't know it was uh, there's a lot of things to think for that which is like the the situation they wrote it well. They directed it well. They shot it well. They a lot of support and so far I can't claim it on my own. But it's just cool that you know that they'll give me that, and I and I'm thankful for that. That they would give me that opportunity to have a moment to kind of really just take o- take it over. And um, I don't know that that's that's all I want. You know, is is to like be challenged and then hopefully deliver. And if I can't, then <laughs> get back up and try it again. If they'll give it to me again and. I think that's the only way, and uh, um, yeah, yeah. I don't want to get too, too like uh, about the whole Asian America thing because I think that can get down like a you know. Yeah, then it's then it's it's a, it's a much longer conversation, and <clears throat> you know, certainly. I mean, I I don't know if I'm even qualified to you know because it's not, not like I <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do I do I do have one question, which yeah, is this: yeah. without going too much down that no. the, the rabbit hole, but you know. As a guy who is uh, uh, as, as a Korean American guy with a comedy background, and so you know mm-hmm. you kind of have a you know you have a fun sort of snarky you know probably offensive sense of humor, and you're sort of silly, and yeah, fun, you yeah. don't really take that stuff too seriously. <laughs> Do you feel like, I mean, especially if you're in Second City and you're doing improv, you know, it's like <laughs> right. you know <coughs> co- comics all you generally say the most offensive things to each other to yes. make each other laugh because uh, we have the darkest, sickest sense of humor. Um, <laughs> Do you actually do you feel like that? Um, do you feel any kind of racial tension in America? Do you feel anything racial at all? Are you aware of it, or is it? Is it do you think it's there or not there? Um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, I, when I was growing up, I didn't feel it too much, but you know, I felt it in the sense that uh, I'll be honest. Like when I grew up, I wanted to assimilate so bad, so bad. The board collective, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I'm, I was born in Korea. And I moved over when I was four. And uh, at the time, I didn't know what, what was going on. But as I grew up in America, I realized that visually I was off, but I wanted to be accepted and have all the things that ever, all my friends have. Like, I wanted the rat tail. I wanted the, <laughs> I wanted the you know, Jordache jeans. I wanted, the, I wanted the muscle car that my, my friend's dad had. Like, I didn't want it, but I wanted my dad to have it so he can go joyriding. I wanted, this, I wanted storage. 
Like you realize, <laughs> honestly, you you don't you don't realize this, but like for me as growing up Asian, like storage, the idea of storage, what is like a white convention? <laughs> like I, I would be like I'd be like, yo, Tony, my friend Tony Hartman, when I was growing up, I was like, Tony, the kid with the rat tail, I was like, let's play your let's play your Sega Genesis, man. He's like. Oh, I can't, man. My dad put it in storage. <laughs> and, I, and for me, in my head, I was like, what the fuck are you talking about storage? <laughs> like, why isn't all your shit in your house at one time? Storage more must bend your mind. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, look at all this shit that people... But now I use storage. Sure. You know what I mean? But back in the day, it was like, you just put your Genesis on top of your Super Nintendo or next to it above, like, the millions of boxes that my parents are hoarding. And it's like, <laughs> you know, like, an immigrant tale and even, like, a Korean tale is we kind of hoard, you know what I mean? Which is, like, everything's valuable. You can use something to some extent. And so your houses, at least my house, was just chock full of shit. Just chock full of shit. I hope that you get to the success level someday <laughs> where you sort of flip out and you're like, I'm going to have all this, and you show up with a rat tail and, a, like, a Trans Am in these 80s jeans. You're like, I'm living the dream, man. This is what I wanted. This is exactly what I always wanted. I mean, you know, my parents are very blue-collar because they own their own business, and so they would have to do grunt work. They'd do everything. They would work their 12 to 14 hours, and God bless them. Like, I own them so much. But we could not take vacations because of that because also they're control freaks, so they couldn't, like – take the time and put that put the business to somebody else somebody else's hands mm -hmm. and so i would look at all my friends my non-asian friends at least non-me friends and see them all take vacations to like puerto vallarta or like we're gonna go up north and all right my dad has a, a summer home a cabin and for me i was like mom dad oh mama please get a summer home <laughs> and we couldn't even afford that but like i wanted that and i remember growing up uh, you know, wanting to assimilate so, so bad. Uh, yet, as I was growing up, I didn't really feel the, uh, the the racial tension at first. But then I got to high school and I got called chink for the first time. And oh, that was Jesus. Crazy because it was out of nowhere. Like, my, my school in high school was like a huge contingent of Asian people. And, uh, but, you know, in that one moment, the kid didn't know how to like make fun of me more so he just went to chink and he just said it and for me i wasn't really like super upset by yeah. it i was just like what like who says that right and then like we just moved it on during the day we just moved on and i didn't get the racial tension of where i lived at the time and not that it's very strong but like i didn't get it at the time until i moved to the city and then i realized while you're in the city everybody's pretty chill like, you go to New York, everybody's pretty chill. There is racism. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of racism. But you move to Chicago, it's chiller version. Then you move back to Michigan, and you're hanging out with some of your Asian friends, and you're like, people are looking at us. Or you have that, you have that like, paranoia that people are looking at. Oh, wow. You know? Or, like, even like I said, like, we would roll, like, 10 deep to bowling alleys, all Korean kids in high school. And at the time, we didn't think anything of it. But sometime after I moved to the city and came back, I started becoming like, oh, we're that group of Asian guys that are just here bowling. And that is partly to blame on my end because it's a self-paranoia and a self... I'm kind of putting racism on myself, like think, assuming that people are being racist. But I don't know. I mean, I, I think now I see racism more than I ever have. Um, but you just... 
you just deal with it. Also, it's 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 the best way to. I mean, it, it comes at an age where you can deal with it. I I didn't not not that I'm saying this is remotely <laughs> comparable, but I know going to Europe, I felt a little weird in places because, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, um, Americans aren't super popular in some places. And even in Montreal, I. I was having a conversation with a guy at a restaurant and he was like, Oh, what do you, what do you do? What do you do? I go, I'm a comedian. And you know, I'm here for just for laughs. And he's like, Oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, where are you from? And I said, I'm from Los Angeles. And I swear to God, his face just kind of dropped and he was like, Oh, and then he just turned around and I was like, Oh no. And then I felt this kind of weird, like, Whatever you're mad at, I didn't do it, you know? Yeah. Maybe it, he was hoping you'd say New York so he could ask if you knew his cousin Pierre. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. But, I, but, <laughs> but even, but being in, um, but being in, uh, being in Italy, when we were in, when we were in Venice, there was, uh, we went into uh, a cafe that I guess is for locals mm-hmm. and uh, they wouldn't serve us. You know, and it wasn't, really? I mean, and I, and I can't say that I felt the burden of like, this is what it's like to be, have sure, someone sure, racing yeah. at you. But just the idea of like, oh, okay, okay, I get it. You're judging me because uh, you think I'm this thing and uh, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, it's, that's just what, it, I mean, that's, that, that is just what it is. People, I, I, uh, small soapbox for a second. I think the difference here is there's racism all across the board with all different races. Um, with in particular with Asian Americans, the racism comes from the fact that they still think we're foreign. Mm-hmm. It comes from the fact that we're exotic. So like we have weird foods or like uh, You're we can't fucking speak delicious English. foods. Yeah. All right, <laughs> delicious food. Delicious food. Deliciously weird food or like. Your uh, forks are sticks. Yeah, your forks are sticks. There's just two of them. How can I hold both at the same I'm time? To, so am I supposed to stab the food? I'm trying to understand you. Right, exactly. Or like they, th- or if you have a non-accent, they think, "Wow, you speak well for an Asian guy." And I'm just <laughs> oh, no. like, "What are you talking about?" I was, I was basically born here. I will admit I'm an immigrant, but there are tons of my friends that were born here. You know, and that's the that's that's just. That's what's gonna happen until you know the world goes a little further. You know, it's so and weird that people just... still think that because George Takei <laughs> has the greatest voice and was the first Asian oh, person yeah. anybody has ever seen on television. <laughs> oh my! He had to be Asian and gay in the sixties. Yes. Oh, yeah. my. oh my! Oh my! <laughs> I love George. Me He's too. delightful. Uh, and, you know, even as we were talking and I was doing that bit and I did a Southern voice going, hey, your forks are sticks. There are going to be Southerners who are like, why are you? We're not all. And I go, yes. yeah, I know, but I'm from Tennessee and <laughs> it's fun. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, there's there's a there's space for comedy in everything. I, I don't know. There's I, I'm not going to rule. Asians are funny. Like Asian <laughs> Asian people are funny to make fun of, too, like as is everyone. But. I guess it's just that I at the principle of like on the everyday from the everyday person when you walk in will they be like hey nice to meet you and you're like what's up <laughs> well the difference the difference being the difference being and I, I would imagine this kind of activates your comedy side is like mm. if you're going to if you're going to go for a joke Mm-hmm. Make it good. Don't make it hacky. Make it authentic. Yes. Don't fucking go for the shitty, laziest. Like, yes. there's almost, like, you know, beyond how awful and inhumane racism is, it's also hacky. It's the laziest fucking choice you could make. Yes. 
unless you make a really amazing take on it. If I hear a, an Asian joke that is not about driving or we whatever, like we have small eyes or whatever like that, I'll be like, that is fucking hilarious. <laughs> I'll be the first one to say it because it's like, I haven't heard that one before. Right. You know, if you make a joke about how uh, Koreans like to uh, reverse engineer something and then make it better, like if you can somehow make that a joke, that's hilarious to me. Like, or uh, you... I don't know, whatever the hell we do, but it's just... You guys work all the time and make delicious <laughs> yeah. meat. Oh, God, it's so good. <laughs> or, you know what I mean? Or like That stuff, to me, is funny, but when I hear, especially nowadays, with how much comedy has progressed and how much, how much shows are kind of, like, see-through because of Twitter and, like, people uh, uh, can comment on it uh, immediately, they, they still go for the Asian driving joke. Mm-hmm. And to me, I'm like, man, like, that's not even... Comedy wise, funny. Like, who is that funny to anymore? Yeah, because it's so overplayed. It's just played out. It's it's as bad as like it's as bad as uh, that joke hey, you made about airplane food. <laughs> <laughs> that joke I made about airplane food. <laughs> I, I was actually going for an airplane food joke. You're welcome. You were actually pretty right on. Yeah, can't even get upset about that. That's you were absolutely right. That's you what I was going to reference. Joke you're going to make about airplane food. That's yeah. That's exactly exactly right. Yeah, it's just it's just hacky. It's just fucking hacky. Yeah, it's just not fun. Um, yeah, whatever. But, and then and then I wonder, you know, I'm sure a lot of performers. Uh, you know, if they're of dif- different ethnicities, have that struggle of you know, like, fuck, I want to work, but I, I mean, like Hollywood Shuffle. Do you ever see Hollywood Shuffle? No, what's that? Oh, Hollywood Shuffle uh, was uh, a fucking amazing, amazing movie. Did you ever see Hollywood Shuffle? I thought it was a reality show on ABC where celebrities play shuffleboard. No, you guys should never should be. Should be I mean, they have the diving show. We can put it right <laughs> after the diving show. That diving show is intense. You guys <laughs> never saw um, Hollywood Shuffle. Hang on a sec. I'm going to look it up really fast so I can give you the... I want to see how they pitch the movie. <laughs> this uh, log line is going to be hilarious. Uh, <laughs> it's talking not, cat. <laughs> it's, Robert, it's the Robert Townsend movie, Hollywood Shuffle, where he's an actor in Hollywood as he's black and, and he's an actor and he's trying to make it in Hollywood and he keeps auditioning for these white people who are like... Can you stick your butt out more? Can you be more black? And it's just sort of like it's a fun, it's a fun, funny movie, but it's all about his struggle of like trying to not have his work be about, you know, like yeah. what Hollywood has this idea of like, you're a black actor and you should do this, you know? Yeah. But you almost can't I mean, you can blame them, but also Money talks, man. You know what I mean? Like, that's where a lot of it, that's where I think the stalemate with Hollywood and progression kind of really meet is, is, is like, um, the fact that it's, if it's easy to digest, then that's going to make the most money. And what's easier to digest than an Asian driving poorly or like, you know, uh, uh, another racist joke. Well, in fairness to you, it's mostly Asian women that drive poorly. Is it really? I think so. I don't know. I get a lot of flack. <laughs> on Twitter. You know what's so funny is like for me like I'm so conscious of that one particular joke that like uh if I'm driving and you know sometimes you make a poor move and like you accidentally like cut into someone's lane too quick and you cut them off as you do in LA. Yes. And I'm like they see me, I'm like damn it. 
Fuck. <laughs> no, this isn't about something. Yeah, like this has nothing to do you with my race. You can't use this to build your case. Yeah, like this is just me. I, I'm just a shitty driver. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not because of anything racial. No, look at my hands are the same proportion as yours. Like I can have complete control. To of the be fair, I was texting. Yes, and <laughs> I it had nothing to do with that. You ah, damn it. Yes, yes, I was irresponsible, but it was nothing racial. It was. Anyone could have made this mistake. I'm tempted to like. This was all motivated socially. <laughs> this has nothing to do with my race. If I cut them off and they pass me, I'm tempted to drive them down and then cut them off again and they'd be like, "Listen, <laughs> let me tell you, I'm, hold, I'm I'm just holding this bat just in case, but I'm t I'm I'm cool. I'm, it's nothing to do with me." You almost you could almost have some sort of a you could almost have some sort of a weird arrogance to eclipse that. Be like, look. I'm a very famous actor right now, and I feel like I'm slightly more important than you at the moment, and I need to be where I'm getting to faster than you. So it's not whatever you think it is. It's really about that. But also, I'm a really nice guy. Like, this hasn't gone to my head. No. And <laughs> just a slippery slope of just... People bullshit. are honking because you've gotten out in traffic. I just want to explain. Guys, I'm, I'm also, explaining. Please. I'm also, Everyone, listen, I know gather I'm, around. I know I'm on the way to a Korean barbecue, but... that's. I mean, I where I'm from, that's this. just called barbecue not, let's just be clear about that i'm, I'm going reading, the sign says i don't know i'm going to gangnam style barbecue some fucking spicy pork is that too much to ask i want to cook my own meat at my table oh, it's so good. uh koreatown's got some fucking great Koreatown. restaurants and i never go there enough you it once you're free for once um <laughs> you need to hit me up because while i'm in la at the same time because i will take you Okay. It's and honestly, all this talk about racism, but you will have the best meal in Koreatown only hanging out with a Korean person. <laughs> <Here's> the, <laughs> all this talk about racism no, no, will no. yield a delicious. It's like having a secret weapon at your table. Oh yeah. Because when they come up to you, they see. Let's say they see me. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, this guy's not gonna know what to get. They're being. They're, you're getting a little racisted yourself. Sure, sure. Oh, yeah, I'm absolutely. fine with that because it's all delicious. But uh, you know when the uh, when the uh, when the sides come out, you're not getting all the sides if you're just a white guy. Mm. Sure, mm -hmm. you're not getting it all. Mm -mm. They're not bringing you the spicy it's soup like unless you ask for it. Yeah, it's like in and out. You you're not getting it unless yep. you ask for it. You're getting mm -hmm. you're not getting the yep. uh, yep. whatever it's called. You got to know what they need. Secret menu. You got to know what you need at the table. Does Walking Dead air in Korea? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I, I was there. And are you like Sai out there? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's I, I bet if I were to walk over there. Uh, it you know people might recognize me, but if Norman were to walk around there, you it'd be a shit show. He does. He stands out quite a bit, Norman. He's he's so dis. I, no one. Norman looks like no other person on the planet. <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah, but but also like the way Korea digests like foreign stuff. At least to my ability, my knowledge. I we, I went back eight years ago, and all my cousins had. Posters of Meg Ryan up. <laughs> what? Like, Eight what? years ago? Yeah, like what? They just got sleepless <laughs> in Seattle. Yeah, and they had posters of Meg Ryan up, and I was like, "What is, what is your fascination with Meg Ryan?" And <laughs> and they're not even like concerned with like in-house like Koreans, like in-country like Korean celebrities. They're just talk. They're like fixated on Meg Ryan. I'm like, this is bonkers. Does Meg Ryan know this? Because she could probably go over there and work a fuck ton. Oh, I bet. I bet she could sell anything she wanted. She's a huge star yeah. oh, in yeah. Korea right now, and she doesn't even know <laughs> she it. She doesn't even know. Well, she was a huge star eight years ago in eight Korea. Years ago, yeah. Eight now years ago. Now they're all replaced with Norman Reedus posters. <laughs> He's the new Meg Ryan, He's I hear. He's the new Meg Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I, they just, 
they love they love Meg Ryan and love Norman Reedus. <laughs> Maybe we could get this couple together. That we could create a, su- a Korean super couple who's not Korean. Yes. Oh my God! And Sally so could officiate the wedding. That's <laughs> 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 no, funky over there. It's fun. I really would love to go. You never to- been to Korea? No. <clears throat> okay. Next, let's go. Okay. If you go, I will literally. If you if you have a trip where you can go. Or a reason to go, please let me know. And I am not kidding right now. I will try to coincide a trip to go at the same time. Are you, are you worried at all that with all the businesses happening with North Korea that uh, uh, some ignorant Americans are you're going to be like, we're not. It's not the. I, it's different. What do you? Come on. Oh yeah. No, I think everyone no. understands. No. I don't know if they do. No, man. Really? No. I don't know if they do. You're you're in a very We live co- we're coastal people. <laughs> yeah, you you live in LA one and even that doesn't free you from that, but you also in comedy, which makes yeah. you heightened aware of anything and also you're like well read, I'm sure. You're an intelligent person, you know. But it seems just... bizarre that people would What the fuck do they think the Korean War was all about? People don't know about the Korean War. Man. People don't know about the Civil War. Yeah, good point. <laughs> I think most people know about the Korean War because of MASH. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And they think it lasted 10 seasons. <laughs> I, it I was mean, such a good show, you that guys. That was a great show. I, the, people still ask me, like, are you from North Korea or South Korea? And Like they're testing you? Yeah. But the thing is, is like, at a point, at, at first I used to take a Yo, 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 what's your parallel? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, what parallel are you from? <laughs> But like at first I used to take offense, but then I realized it's in a way, I guess in America, arrogant to think, not arrogant, but foolhardy to think that they would take interest in another country's culture or sure. history anyway. Like I'm sure Korean people don't know the history of like the Sudan. Oh, it is, it is I'll tell you, the, the whole North Korea thing is particularly fascinating to me right now. So it is I've bonkers. The North reading Korea a lot about crazy. it. And Dennis Rodman going out there was the icing on the cake. When did he become yeah. the ambassador to the United States? Well, Dennis Rodman. He went on that trip with Vice. Uh, so bizarre. The, uh, the North Korea's fair leader, he's a huge fan of uh, basketball. Bulls, right? Yeah. Especially yeah. the Bulls. <coughs> so, God knows Jordan would not go. Right? So, <laughs> right. Of course, you have to pick to play, one bull who's going to go. It's going to be Rodman. It's going to be Rodman. Yeah. Not Steve Kerr. Not gonna be Steve. You know that's an that brings up an interesting thing about that, which is like you know how Dennis Rodman responded and said like Kim Jong Un is actually just a nice dude, man, and that sounds like like heretic speak from the outside view, Mm. but honestly, like take the most evil person in the world, in the history of the world, and I bet if you sat down with him for a meal, you would be like that guy's a nice guy. Yeah, you know what I mean, and that's where he's unless you were a Jew. Right. Yes, <laughs> that's true. And then uh, you, then Genghis Khan hated the Jews. <laughs> See, I mixed it up because you thought was it Genghis it was... Khan that they that they uh, they made sure no one knew where his grave was uh, by like murdering everyone that was at his funeral. Oh God, I don't know what. Yeah, <laughs> why would you go to his funeral? Well, I'm just saying, like in the in the in the Genghis Khan time. What about I, the guy I'm hoping, that? I hope I'm right. What about the last guy that killed the last guy? Yeah, he probably had to kill himself. Probably himself. had to kill himself. He probably had to. That's commitment. That is commitment. That's right. Okay, we're going to fire at the same time. <laughs> One. <laughs> oh, you didn't fire. Two. Wait a minute. How do I know you're going <laughs> to... so much fun. Well, podcast. especially yeah, especially if he was if he was a fan of the Bulls and then met yeah. this guy that yeah. he, he might have been extra nice to him. Yeah, it's sure. Just, of course. Know, yeah, just, yeah. 
it's like, I mean, it's to the point where China's getting a little fed up with it, too. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, you know, th- there's a lot of stuff about how North Korea is intact mostly from the fact that China yeah. still has use for them. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're the... That's the know, only reason yeah, they're right. surviving. They're the blockade from the southern peninsula from coming up. And It's interesting, though, that you say that... I, I would tend to think that... People and I think Americans are particularly America centric because um, I, I think we were allowed to evolve that way because essentially we're kind of isolated. America's mm-hmm. so large mm-hmm. that you don't really have to ever, you know what I mean? Like right. p- people just live in the middle of the country and there's, they don't, you know, we don't really have to go anywhere else. If you live in Europe, countries are basically like states. In yeah. the sense that you can just drift back and forth, but you can see entire other cultures yeah, it's always so, and it's history. So, it's, yeah. and it's crazy to think that some cultures border each other, and yet there's completely different. 100%. Like, totally. I and always it, like, equate it to, like, it's like if all of a sudden Massachusetts was like, fuck you, Rhode Island. <laughs> yeah. You piece of shit, tiny state. <laughs> yeah. And Rhode Island's like, hey, fuck you, Massachusetts. It's like, we all wear purple. <laughs> what? What? You, you do what? We only wear purple. You guys realize that <laughs> From now on. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's actually interesting for real because it's like, you know, the the world gets flatter as social media gets more connected and, and the world gets more connected. And now, I think that's also to do uh, to the fact that people think it's uh, the apocalypse is going to happen because you've witnessed disasters on a real-time scale from across the globe. Well, that's the thing is that is that, um, and I'm not saying that things in the world are super rosy, mm-hmm. but I I do I do blame I do blame a lot of the news media for allowing people subsist on news and news because it's designed to get ratings. Mm-hmm. It's just tragedy after tragedy after tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. Because that's what people will watch if they're afraid of it. And not that there aren't tragedies in the world that we shouldn't be focusing on, but I think it does paint one part of the picture oh, yeah. that there are good things that are happening in the world and good people in the world. And, you know, it's it really is a, you know, like, what's your perception based on the lens that you're looking through? And obviously people aren't going to watch the news if every story is like, right. <laughs> another group of puppies were saved. You know what I mean? Like, right, it's, right. It, but I do think it's, I do think the onus is on us as citizens of the world to try to look for good things and positivity because otherwise, yeah, the world's going to feel entirely fucking apocalyptic. I get depressed going mm-hmm. to the Google News page that oh, yeah. ha- it's just like, you know, this person died and this horrible tragedy and this natural disaster and this person said fuck you to this person and these countries hate each other and this guy's going to attack this and you're like, oh my god! I like, just, it, just, do you remember the news? Like the day, the morning of September 11th. You remember the like the morning, like before it all went yeah. down. I was I actually remember, on a plane and at JFK. I well, I woke up. Really? You know, Were you? I was. Holy smokes! I woke up and I, uh, you know, turned on the news. It was like six o'clock in the morning, and the big news story that day was what? Michael Jordan retiring. How old? How, like how old were you when you were? Eight. I was in college. Uh, was, uh, were, what was I was eighteen, nineteen, twenty. You were freshman 21? college. I don't remember. Two thousand one. Yes. I, yeah, I was are we, we're, same, we're same year. Yeah. 83? Yes, 83. Okay, cool. So, yeah, you were already started. Yeah. I hadn't started school yet. We we went late. Uh, so what okay. happened was I witnessed it at home, and then we got to school, and there was, like, 
all these like yeah. uh, 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 you know com- congregational meetings and like you know like all they had to prep all these kids because we were the kids that came into college with that you know yeah it was during my first yeah first period English class like my second English yeah. class I think it was but but no but the point my point I was trying to make though is like the news that day I just remember the news that morning mm. being so fluff. Like being so like, oh my god, can you believe Michael Jordan's finally retiring from the Wizards? It's just <laughs> this like, is the worst thing that could happen today. Crazy. The weather's beautiful. Yeah. Wow. It was just that was, I, I vividly remember that newscast. Like, but think about also like you you are all by virtue of the fact that you even turn on the news and that you wake up at six in the morning, yeah. you're in a completely different yeah. echelon of people that well. digest information. You are. I mean. Uh, I didn't properly start watching the news until I got to college. Yeah, you know, um, and that's why for me, like as I grew up, you know, as a lot of people grow up, you're like, is the world getting worse, or am I just becoming more aware of the news? I think it's a it's a combination of both. I think it's a combination of all of those things, but also, you know, when they when they when you dig a little deeper, you find that. I think every generation does have the same overall complaints. This is the worst the world has ever been. It's, you know, things are really shitty right now. There's wars. There's this, you know, I think that's, but I I think it's more of an awareness thing because it's in our faces at all times. Nowadays. Nowadays, you know, in the fifties, you know, you know, let's even say in the Mm eighties or before, before when, you know, it was, you know, there was television, but we weren't inundated with information all the time. You were still, you know, we were still kind of allowed to lead blissfully ignorant lives. Sure. You know, like, oh, if you're in the middle, you know, if you're if you're in the middle of the country somewhere, you maybe your family has one TV, you're not hearing shit breaking all the time, you know, you're not hyper aware of everything that's going on. So like your day, oh, that's pretty awesome shit happened. Oh, that's that's too bad. Yeah. You know, but it's not but now we're so, it's so in our faces at all times. And I think on top of that, we are suffering from uh, uh, overload. Like we're just we're overloaded on the amount of information our brains are trying to process. I, I'm I'm curious to see how how much anxiety the next generation is going to suffer from. Just out of sheer, I get anxiety because I have too many choices. Yeah, I have too many things going on. You didn't grow up with all those choices, I didn't, though. So and there's a generation true. of kids ah, now. Yeah, that I think. We'll just be desensitized to it. I the think beginning. they're. I think they oh. could be less compassionate, Ooh. because they're so. They grew up interfacing with machines mm-hmm. more than other human beings. That much of the much of their lives are spent on their phone or in front of a computer. You're interfacing with a machine. We're not. We don't. We're not designed to connect with machines. They're looking at text. I think that's why, you know, trolling is so bad or people are bullying right. each other online, you know, like, <coughs> fuck you, die. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know if this generation is as uh, empathetic. I agree. Because they don't have to interact on a human level as much as oh, previous generations. The safety of their home, their wherever. They, but, you know, there's going to be a whole generation of people that have never <laughs> called to order a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. They just, yeah, they just threw it on the fucking totally bu- website. 
Like that's not, totally true. There's a whole generation of people that does not understand that, and here this is the older guy talk that you were making fun of before it does not understand that if you didn't know the answer to something you may never find out the answer to that thing unless you, you find an old guy that knows the answer an old guy thing. or went to a library yeah. or you know like that you had to even still if that book's checked out you're fucked but but the way that you had to find out that information was getting it from other human beings yeah. Mostly, you know, even if it's his library, like where's that book? You know, uh, it, it's you don't know the Dewey Decimal System. Sorry, that's from UHF. <laughs> Conan the Librarian. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about Conan the Librarian. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think uh, I, I think there is a generation of kids now who are just you know, it's a strange thing, it, and it's going to be an interesting thing to watch. Assuming we're all still here to watch it, yeah. But. It's scary too because like you like you know people are claiming to get technology out of your face and like out, like have you interact with the world more and have it be effortless but I don't know if it's going to make people like the whole Google goggles thing that's coming out I saw that test yeah. video that they had for it and it looks cool yeah. but I don't see how that's going to make people talk with each other more Right, right. That's right. gonna make people it's just talk gonna have me. Shit. I have the information I needed from you. Thanks. Yeah, so it's gonna help me guy. to look at people and see them without their clothes on. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, I mean, if I get Google goggles, I'm walking around with my head down majority of the time. You know what's funny is like I. This is kind of to that to the point of like how different it is, how how fast we're getting towards a different. I booked a vacation to Disney World on my computer. Okay. Ba, 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 booked. Ready. Gonna go. And then I I, I was <coughs> sitting down the other day and I remembered when my mother. When we booked our vacation as a family to go to Disney World, I remember the pamphlets. I remember the, my mom making the phone call. I remember us going to AAA to get a road map made where the wow. guy would highlight the route we needed to go in this big map book. Wow. It's like, I remember it's when, I, when, I started, uh, when I started UCLA, the first year that I was there, they had just started telephone enrollment for classes. So before that, the year before, you actually had to show up to a building <laughs> and sign up for classes. I still did in my school. I did that with my and, school. But, it, but when I started UCLA, there was, uh, there was telephone enrollment, so you could call and enter a code, and you get this recording, this robot recording voice. You know, now you could probably, I mean, click, I'm sure, click, I'm sure there's a, there, the, there are EDU apps that you can fucking beep, beep, yeah. beep, oh, register, yeah. done. I remember I waited in line for three hours. Uh, I camped out to get into a class. Called Intro to uh, Politics or something like that, taught by Dr. Elman. Um, she whooped my ass so bad, I regretted. I waited in line to get a C in college. <laughs> I waited in line to get a C. And she was an amazing teacher, but holy shit, I've never been more afraid of any teacher than I have her in my entire life. Really interesting. It's, it's so It's just a fascinating, it's a fascinating evolution of, of just society and like how how just how interestingly things are changing because like i i got into fights when i was a kid Did you get into fights yeah tons of yeah I, oh I, this now is, parents are pressing charges against yeah. it's just it's just insane to me just the, the the just the it just i cannot fathom it i really cannot fathom it like just fucking let your kids get into fights that's true. <laughs> what I you think so yes i don't absolutely. know i was kind of a pussy when i was a kid i was afraid of but did you ever did you ever get in a fight no because i hit <laughs> yeah well yeah i got hit and pushed down and not and like i i got 
bullied a lot. Yeah, but you. you I know, was very. You'd... I was very small, and I was in computer lab and, and chess that, club, and the and that other. Sh- that shaped you. It did shape me. Yeah, it did shape me. No, there's no, there's no question. It did. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm sure that a lot of the drive I've had was probably getting back at the stuff that I suffered through when I was a kid. That being said, that doesn't mean that if I had a kid, I'd be like, yeah, you're going to suffer, but it's going to be worth it. Like I still, I still have this feeling that I I would not want my kids to have to, but just imagine if your kid, if without your control, your kid gets into a fight at school and then the other, imagine if the other parent presses charges against the child and you. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? They're just kids. They just fucking got into a fight. That's what kids do. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of things that kids are going to miss out on. Yeah. Like just bare bones survival. That's that's the thing that I'm afraid of is like, (laughs) it's not a rational fear, but (laughs) aliens attack. Sure. I'm with you on this. In like 20 years, nobody's going to know hand to hand combat when they get that EMP and then they eliminate all of our electronic devices. Shit's real. Mm. You seen Revolution? That's true. Wait, what? Oh, is that? Oh, that's is the that, show with no electricity. Is that what's going on? No, and I so don't. people don't know how to do hand-to-hand combat, right? Right. They just gotta use bow and arrows. That's what. For that's some what, reason. Also, that's what's like. I keep bringing it back to Korea, but that's like, like the. That's what like Korean Korea is like, because you don't have like handguns and there's no weapons there. You don't learn how to fight each other. Yeah, you gotta like, If you want to be top top boss mafia, you gotta beat some asses. You gotta be a black belt. <laughs> If you want to, it's a, their the big boss, is. even though he may be dressed like a businessman, is always the toughest boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas here, it's like you can just get the biggest gun and mm. just be a tyrant Ugh. nut job. You know what I mean? It's insane. Crazy. The world is fucked up, everyone. <laughs> Enjoy your burrito. <laughs> <laughs> I was so I was so excited when I think Jonah met you first and he was like, I met Steve, uh, Steve Young, who's on Walking Dead, and it turns out he listens to the podcast. Like we were all so blown away. We were like, no way. Are you kidding? Bullshit. I digest the crap out of this. I you guys um I drive back and forth from uh from uh Orlando Atla- to Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta <laughs> Orlando to Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> Atlanta to LA uh, to Michigan. I do that. Oh wow! Every I've done it every year since I've been on the show now. Wow! And you, Mark Marin, and uh, things you should stuff you should know. Yep. keep me yeah. alive. Oh wow! Yeah. So you have seen a lot of America. <laughs> yes, I really have. It's fun. Do I you think... try to go different ways every time, or do you just sort of stick to your route? I've tried, but now I. At this point, I've seen so much. I've seen it all, so I just want to get home. It is beautiful, though. The it is like America is does have beautiful terrain. Like when you get out in the middle of it, it's fucking. Oh, yeah. it's the the Rockies rock are beautiful. I will say this: the Rocky you, Utah Mountains are beautiful. Driving Utah through Utah is, is fucking too. stunning. Mm-hmm. But here's my deal: the Rocky Mountains are beautiful, but we're never meant to be driven over. It's the most <laughs> no. terrifying road. Oh, yeah. On the planet, especially when you're at when it's nighttime, yes. like you you feel like the mountains are gonna cave in on yep. you, or like you and know. you're on this tiny road, and then it's like, oh, there's a little bit of a guardrail, and then a fucking thirty yeah. story and death every, drop. Oh, I don't know, half a mile. Watch for falling rocks. That's a what? thing I have to watch for. Well, we're almost at the, fuck you, Colorado. We're almost at the end, Steve Young. Just don't put roads there. Just yeah. put a zip line in. Oh, I had a question. Um, so. Uh, me and my friends, a couple of my friends, have never played uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. And I want to play so bad. I want to just ask you questions about: Has is it is it? Have you guys played first? Yeah, of all? yeah, yeah. We both I'm, played. Yeah. And if you play, do you get to a point where you guys everybody's so locked into the game that 
you guys can pretty much imagine the world together. Oh, of course. If you have a good DM, <laughs> if your DM is really good, um, that like the guy who's running the game, yeah. if he's, if, you know, you can get a guy who's sort of boring and is very much, you know, well, this happens and then this happens and roll. Okay, you missed him. Okay, that guy hit, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's it can be very dry that way. But if you have a good storyteller who's running the game ah. and he paints, he paints these wonderful cinematic pictures okay. and other people in the game are super creative and they're engaged, then yeah. I mean, you could, you know, eight hours could go by and you'd be like, holy shit. And you really do... You know, but it all depends on the right grouping of people. Have you listened to uh, Nerd Poker yet? No. It's an Earwolf podcast that uh, they play D and D. It's like Brian Posehn, Jerry Duggan. They play it on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, when oh, we when the... when we used to play, when I was in that group, yeah, you were in that group. Yeah, I was yeah. I was in that group with Jerry Duggan and Patton and Blaine Capatch and Posehn, and and we played for I think maybe two years around. 02 to 04 mm-hmm. and uh and our dm was this guy who's on machinima named scott who's better known as, a, as mr sark on machinima and he was fucking phenomenal and uh at the time we had all said like fuck we should this should be a show like because it was because all the comics were fucking great yeah so they yeah. were bringing in all this great information on top of this great game and everyone's you know everyone was hilarious and i remember um this was sort of before the way things are now, but I remember Patton specifically saying, like, people don't want to watch nerd shit. They had tried to do a show called Super Nerds at Comedy Central, Brian and Patton, mm-hmm. and uh, it was like, people don't want to watch nerd shit. And then, oh, you know, within, like, changed. four years, everything, within, maybe even less, like, two or two, two or three years, everything started to shift culturally, but even just as recently as, like, 04, you couldn't pitch, you know, nerd-themed things to the industry because they would say it's too niche, no one wants to watch it. And so it, it's very gratifying to me now that that's being done, uh, and I'm cool. sure it's doing. I'm sure it's doing really well. Yeah, they've got their followers, and it's a very. It's funny. It's a good. I mean, of course, it's funny. Yeah. So, so is it that you can when you're playing? Like, does it behoove you to stay in character, or can you pull out and comment on what's going on as kind of like an outside viewer, and then go slip back in? So, it, I think it depends on both. the group. I think it depends on the group. We fucked around a lot. Okay. So there was a lot of us hanging out and talking, and then you know if there was if there was a melee or something, then we would really, uh, th- and then then we would sort of we would jokingly be in care like we were in character. Yeah. So you know inside, I think we were taking it more seriously. Outwardly, we were fucking around yeah. more, but it was still. So much fun. I mean, and just because Posehn's character was he was a ninja. They sort of bent the rules a little bit to let him be a ninja Um, because I think we played first edition D&D and uh, which is a much longer game. And Brian was a Brian's character was obsessed with pickles. And Uh so the DM would place like there would be a pickle barrel in a town and then Brian would have to roll to see (laughs) if he would clear the role of whether or not he was enticed by the pickle barrel. (laughs) And then if we lost him to the pickles, then we'd have to fight with him while he was over stuffing his, like lifting up his ninja mask to stuff pickles into his face. And then Patton would roll. He was a he was a dwarf called Stumphammer, and he was a fucking lush. So he would he would have to roll to see how drunk he would get. So we would have battles where he would somehow get drunk and then just burst into these ridiculous songs that Patton would write before, and then he would sing them. It was so fucking wow. fun. It was so much fun. So you 
there's a level of preparation that is involved. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. if you if you are with the right group of people that are committed, yeah. like holy, it is like maybe the most. But just so you know, you though, find the right DM. That's the pl- key. playing D and D is like being in a band. In the sense that it's very, if you don't show up, it's very difficult for everyone else to play. It's possible, uh, but it kind of fucks everyone over. Okay. And so what started to happen is people would start to get busy. Patton was the first one to drop out, and he was like, I'm too busy. I can't do this anymore. Then we lost the DM. And the, and so, you know, there, I was hesitant to, the game started again a few years later, and I didn't jump back in because I was busy, and I didn't want to be the guy that was responsible for everyone not playing. Sure. Oh, I can't show up this week. What the fuck? You know, everyone else is ready to go. There's yeah. six people here. So that's the only thing, you know. And you got to be committed for, if you're going to start off, like, for a good while. Maybe. Like, you, you know, can't you, just do one-off You games. could. Oh, yeah, you, can. you certainly you can could. Build, you can build one game. Your like. DM can build one campaign. You can play it that day and be done. It's more fun because there's more at stake if you play for months because... When you lose a character that you've been playing for like eight months, it's fucking devastating. You worked really hard. You grew with that character. He yeah. became a part of you. And then through some dumb thing, it's just like, he's dead? Like, you fucking... It's like, it's hard. It's awesome. Jerry kept... Jerry, I think Jerry lost the most characters. He oh, just, it's funny. It's like Jerry died on like the second episode of Nerd Book. <laughs> he was a paladin. I remember he was a paladin. He fucking died. Oh, it was so much fun. Jerry, yeah, so, I saw Jerry in between like weeks of recording like... I think I'm gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> you get down, you get down to a couple hit points, and you don't have a way to heal, and then all of a sudden you get really nervous, like, oh shit! And the rolls really count. Uh, it's fu- It's it's great. I mean, it's like I, you know, cool. it is. If if your if your brain is remotely, um, if you have any kind of nerd tendencies at all, it's perfect because you know D and D is the perfect crossroads of um, math and fantasy. So you have all the statistical data that you're mm. sifting through. But then there's it's so it's just all imagination. It's imagination math. Okay, I'm excited. To, I'm gonna go. I'm, we're picking it up like today. Good. And a couple of my and we just we just want to know because I think as an actor, to be quite honest with you, every actor should play a D and D or something akin to that. Just because that's that's the perfect exercise to just get completely into it. Yeah, and especially with your background in improv, like if you can get a bunch of comics together, <laughs> oh, you guys will have fun. so much fun. There's got to be a Walking Dead, fucking a ro- an, an RPG for I'm oh, sure, probably a board. Prob- I know there's a board game. I don't know if there's. I'm yeah. sure someone has created an RPG. Yeah, maybe. I guess it's you just, could literally. You would you? Yourself. Okay. You would you play Glenn? I don't think I would. No. <laughs> but then you get Glenn's in someone else's hands and could die in front of <laughs> That's you. So who would you? Who would you play? I would play. I would play Carl. I would play Carl too. He has the most potential. You know what I mean? You could take him very far. That's true. And then also he's, you know, again, his generation who grew up in that world mm-hmm. was would just be so much more acclimated to the adults who had to readjust their worldview. Yeah. Oh, do you do you start off with like certain like attributes each You character? start yeah, you yeah, roll yeah, up a character, character so you start with like six attributes uh and you, you know, like uh, charisma, intelligence, strength, oh, you are, you wisdom. You can roll each one. It's you, not locked you, in from the beginning. It's locked in in the beginning. You roll for you roll for those. So there's a little bit of a ceremony where you roll up your character ah. and you create him. And the roles don't always go great. And it's like, so you could get a character My that's intelligence is like yeah, two. you could be super strong, but you could be a fucking idiot. <laughs> that's awesome. And so, and you know, and the and the probability is that your character is going to be. There's gonna be a, a a hole somewhere in all of those different roles gotcha. that he's gonna not be attractive or he's not gonna be very wise or he's gonna be a 
you know. I gotta play. I gotta play. This sounds awesome. Or he's gonna be you know like a a ninety eight pound uh, weakling. Like it's just. <laughs> Something. I always play wizards. I love magic users. I always played wizards. So if you lock yourself into a type, though, you are locked. You are bound by what they're capable of doing. You you pick regardless of their attributes. You pick the kind of character that you want. At mm-hmm. least the way we play it. You pick the kind of character you want. I played a wizard, and then you pick your alignment. What is your moral and ethical axis? Ah, uh, and that you don't have to roll for. You pick. You it. can pick that. Okay. So I played lawful good, which is probably the most boring way you could play because that basically means. My character was driven to follow the rules. Okay. So his underlying driving principle in any situation, (laughs) and it sort of guides how you interact with the world, Mm -hmm. whatever sort of rule set was in place, he was more inclined to go, well, we should probably follow the rules here. Whereas the most fun type of character I think to play is like chaotic good, like Han Solo, like a lovable rogue. He's uh, at the core of it. He's a good guy, but he's also chaotic, which means that he is unpredictable, probably a little selfish, but ultimately, is that fucking Maryland Rice Cub? It is. What are you doing here? <laughs> what are you doing? You're what? <laughs> She's humping, the humping the window. Would you just run around and pull? come in for a second? Kyle's going to come around and get you. You can't go. It's not a door. It's just a it's glass. Can you phase through solid matter? Can you phase through solid matter? Just concentrate. Oh my god. (laughs) Kyle's gonna come grab you to say hi. Do you know Marilyn? No, I've never met her before. That's fine. Well, you you were talking about 24 earlier. Yeah, yeah. I know of her, yeah, but I never met her before. That's so fun. She's great. You can talk about those scenes at Starbucks where they were just relaxing. Yeah, chilling out. You guys had it fucking easy on 24. But yeah, it was easy. Well, she had it extra easy. She was just watching a computer screen. <laughs> anyway, you could also play a character that's like chaotic evil so that your only goal <coughs> is to just fucking hyper destroy everything no matter what. Some people like to play. Some people like to. It's Chaotic evil is bad for a party because you're not going to ever work with anyone. And chances are if you're chaotic evil, you wouldn't really be in a group. You would have people... You probably wouldn't even have people working for you. You just, you uh, would just want to destroy everything in your path always. More so people should play this. I I could not agree with you more. Yeah, more people should play this. Not that I even have firsthand knowledge, but Marilyn Rice Cub. Marilyn, this is Steve. Hi, Steve. Nice to meet you. Hi, Marilyn. Hey. We're just we're just wrapping it up. You just happen to come in. What are you doing here? We were talking about how the urge to get. To the, at this window, you just want to like do weird shit. Yeah, you're actually the only person that's ever um, th- humped oh, the glass. No, Joel does it. No, Joel bangs in the window oh. and flips. No, he's aggressive. I'm a soft sexual woman <laughs> that can't be stopped. She kicks it Mary Lynn style. I mean, how would you not? Um, Kicking it, Mary Lynn. I'm playing hooky from being a mother today. <gasps> what? I was Where doing a guest spot hot off the presses on New Girl, which was a total blast. But then I was out of taping. And I just like wandered around and pretended like I had no. No, I don't have kids. So in that case, do you just put a dish of food out and just leave your son there yes. all day? Yes, exactly. You you got it. Yeah, yeah. You and one it. of those hamster bottles, so dad. that when he pokes his tongue into the thing, it just like the he ball, just gets enough the, water. Yes, ball yes. Yeah, yeah. Because like, I mean, the key is not too dumb, much water. So he would drink yeah. the whole. Yeah. <laughs> That's the like myth about having kids. Is like they're not idiots. Do you know what I mean? Like the, all you have to do is keep the, they, then they become smarter than you. Quick, that's a whole other story. A whole other story. Let's do, we're going to do a whole podcast on that. But now I'm going to stop at the soup and say, you're say hello. You're going to say hi to Joel. Because I chatted with Kate Flannery. She's getting her makeup done. She said hello. She's oh, Kate Flannery. Down. She's one door down. Everybody's here. Kate Flannery of the office and the lampshades. Yes. Are you performing anywhere anytime soon? 
I'm at Flappers tonight at 10 p.m. Flappers in Burbank. This has already gone up by that time. I, I, yeah. It was a great show. You know where I am going for the first time. Have you heard of this place called anybody? Uh, Mississippi Studios in Portland, Oregon on April 25th. No. no but just the fact that it's in me, Portland, it's probably great. Right? Uh, for an 8 and 10 show on April 25th. And I'm super pumped because I love a one night or two shows. Yeah. In and out. <laughs> I'm going to be at Helium up there, which is a fun club. But that's like you do a weekend. Yes. You do a weekend. Whole... It's not a one-nighter. Uh, Maryland sounds cooler. So well, Maryland's Ooh. pretty fucking cool. Um, but yeah, I was just wandering around aimlessly. And then after this, I'm going to go visit the taping of Brand X. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Try, you know, when I do it, I do it all. And then I'm going to go to Flappers. My show isn't until 10. So New Girl Soup, Brand X, Flappers. That is a fucking uh, you know, comedy day. Jesselneck tapes tonight, too. You might want to head over there. I will stop by there. <laughs> Weird, weirdly enough, I was supposed to do a thing on Brody is my friend. Show. <laughs> I don't, he goes, can Brody interview you? And I was like, does he interview people for that? Why, he does why, now, yeah. Oh, he does? Yeah, 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 okay, is that yeah. a new format? Yes. You tell him where you're from, and then he t says the high school and its mascot. And ye yells it in your yeah. face. And yeah. then goes, why don't you like me? Henderson, <laughs> Henderson High, Warriors. Interview over. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yeah, I'm having a real showbiz day. It really is. You can You're come away. I get afraid when I have a four block window. If I go home and see my kid, then I will not want to leave the house again. So right. instead, I just do a you bunch of stuff. Up. He referenced your show 24 earlier. <laughs> really? Mm -hmm. And how did that go? It went well. He was did complaining. He was complaining about The Walking Dead, how his characters never get time to relax. And even on 24, there was occasionally a second to breathe. There was still oh, that's interesting. People always said on 24, there was no time to breathe. And I, I apologize. I've not seen your show. Oh, don't. You guys, worry. I'm sorry. You're what fine. God damn it. I know. Why can't you I'm psychically to know what we're going to... Game of Thrones. That's... I'm not even close. <laughs> to starting it? Here's how lame I am. I watch like a half of Super Soul Sunday and then I fall asleep. The Super Soul? Hashtag truth. Right now. Truth. Then, yeah. I'm Walking Dead. I watch no cool shows. <laughs> what? I'm not. What do you watch? You just what go, you... You just Wait, go visit on. shows. You don't watch she... any of what them. What is she watching? What are you watching? I watch Super Soul Sunday and yep. Own. Did I mention sure. that? Yeah, Own right across uh, the street. Have you no, visited the Own studio? No, what did I watch? I kind of miss True Blood. What's the last? Okay, thing everyone's I a creature. You're good there. Thank you. I watched The Master. See, I'm a little. I'm behind in everything. What what TV show? Have you mean the Lee Van Cleef movie? <laughs> Come on, guys. I'm the only. They even did it on Mystery Science Theater. I guess I am. I just. It's fine. It's. I. I do. You guys hadn't. Had yeah, I watch a lot of HGTV. Do you watch? Uh, I watch not... a ton of HGTV. Flea Market Flip. Have you guys seen that? It's great. That one's good. Property Brothers. Kitchen cousins. Yeah. Do you like House Hunters or House Hunters International? International. Take yeah. it international. Yeah. They're, They're always like, the we want to live our dream and take our child to, you know, Afghanistan to live out our dream. You know what, like, what, what are you doesn't doing? what doesn't help me with that show is the fact that they never tell you what their income is. I want that information. Mm. If you're telling me Some how much of the other shows I get pissed that they don't tell you what city it is, like people looking for a house. I'm like, where is this? I need to oh, yeah, place yeah, yeah. it and know. Fucking the, A. Um, Get your shit together, HGTV. Don't they, don't they buy the house and then just mock, look through the house for the three, right? They've already made their choice. From the Are you saying, know, is, you're saying reality show is fake? No. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, do right. know, I do know a producer over there on, uh, Thanks for blowing on, the lid uh, off on that, that program, and that is correct. I did, like, I did like Flip That House was always fun. Yeah, I like, I like Love It or List It. I, I, I'll watch a Love It or List It. Yeah. I like the girl, the blonde girl from... Uh, Entertainment Tonight. 
who goes to flea markets. That's and flea they, market flip. Oh, it is the same show. Well, I didn't know the name of it. And well, they compete what is her name? about Lana, what they can. Yeah, that's flea market flip. Mm. And these one guys made like a, a lamp out of barbed wire. And you're and, like, guys. Yeah, that's never going to sell, right? That? <laughs> and they made that stupid post office. The, remember the post in the mailbox coffee yes, table with baseball bats? We saw the same one. Anyway, Walking Dead is great, and uh, the um, no, season yeah, finale is coming. <laughs> I love Walking Dead, you guys. <laughs> See, I know every Name nuance. two characters. I love uh, you <laughs> and the zombie. Yay! Yes. I love, I love, I love uh, Prison Flip, where they go in and convert a prison <laughs> to a mildly inhabitable uh, fortress. Uh, to keep up the outside out. And then they have to figure out if they're going to love it or list it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we have fun on this. Property program. what? Property Wars? Property what? Wars Woodbury. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'll watch Kitchen that. Kitchen Cousins Woodbury would be great. I can't think of one actual narrative show that I'm watching. <laughs> oh, me either. Don't worry. I'm in the same boat. You're fine. Strange. I don't watch television either. Boardwalk Empire? That was a while ago. It's so... It's so Mad Men is starting. Martin Madman is starting. Uh, but, like, I just, there's something about reality television, and I don't mean like Kardashian reality television. I just mean like the HDTV Food Network reality television that's so comforting, so formulaic, and just, it's just, it's just there for me. I, I can do other things while it's through, happening. I accidentally sat through three straight hours of Kitchen Cousins. Because what happens is they, finish and you're like all right i'm done and then immediately they go look at this disastrous kitchen you're like oh you gotta oh, see the end of fix it. this and then they get you again they just back to back to back you God damn. Oh, what about a bar rescue i love bar rescue oh, it's the greatest like the bar owner is just drunk oh. and they're like oh like ladies dancing their bikinis like why is this bar losing oh, the money bar. And, then and then the kitchen is disgusting and the bathroom like he's never done uh, john talfer of uh, bar rescue He's the anyway, most the Walking Dead is guys. now that is a show that is there was a bar on a recent episode that really needed to be rescued, full of walkers. Mm. Uh, someone needed to go in there and and flip it around. All right, well, our fun's over. Chris ruined it. <laughs> Sorry for being the bad substitute teacher who had to turn everything I love, around. I have love for you. It's good to see you, Mary Lynn. Um, and Steve, uh, Stephen, it's so nice to see Thanks you, and thank me. you for coming nice on the podcast. Nice there she goes. Hi, Kate Flannery. <laughs> I didn't know she did stand up. Kate? Marilyn? Yeah. Oh, oh Marilyn. Yeah, Marilyn does stand up. Oh, yeah. wow. That's cool. That's where we first met at the Lago in Los Angeles. That's, cool. That's uh, yeah. Um, you are also super busy. You're working on, I feel like you're, boy, you're working constantly. You're like doing movies and stuff and then still um, trying to. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just got back from filming something in New York. Uh, what which, was it? What was it? Uh, we can't talk about okay, it. Okay, all right, that's yeah. fine. Don't worry about it. Which stinks. Sounds like it was Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> they shot that last year. Mm. Yeah, uh, but it was fun. And then um, just uh, Men I guess, in Black Four. I guess we'll see if I uh, we'll see what happens with the rest of the season to see who's going to go back. Damn it! Uh, <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, 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 what does that mean? <laughs> Oh, Man. why are you coughing? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, please. Cough button. It's good to see you. And, Matthew and Fox and, runs and, in. And we got to go back. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, Joan was very sorry he couldn't be here. He's working on Anthony Jeselnik's show today. Oh, so he was, uh, he was like, please tell Stephen I'm so sorry. Uh, uh, but he but he was working for Anthony's show today. So he, he was funny. Thanks that. for having me. Seriously, yeah, it's good is, to see you, man. It's cool to have. Be well, I'm glad you're finally on. 
at yeah, Stephen Young on uh, Twitter. Steve Young. You're just Steve Young on Twitter. S T E V E Y E U N. By the way, my last He's name. He's the I will Asian say, quarterback for the 49ers. You <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> liked it. Your last name. My last name is maybe the one thing that makes everyone dyslexic is the power of dyslexia. Is Yun and like people mispronounce, Yun? misspell. It's the vowel situation. It's like, what do we do with all these? My my uh, Comcast. Uh, no, no, my Time Warner Bill says Stephen Stephen with a ph Yun, uh, but he they spell it W E X N. What? That is what? That is really yeah. You couldn't even like you. That's if, not even a thing. If your airline ticket said that and you had your ID, they would be like, "This isn't you." you that's how in. bad of a. That's not even a typo. Yeah. This is Larry Sanders. Um, <laughs> it doesn't even make any sense. Stephen Wexen, thank you so much for being <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Enjoy your burrito. Chandler's TV guide always said Chanandler Bong. <laughs> That's a fact. I'm. That's a fact. From bummed that you know, friends. <laughs> I know. Okay. I know. I got what it was from. There's yeah. only one Chandler on all of television. I mean, as an actor. I mean, as as a as a character, Chandler right. Riggs. Yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's a person. Sure. He's a real person. Yeah. But he probably does not have a subscription to TV Guide. Friends, seasons one through seven were (laughs) pretty good. And I say the seven with hesitation. It was a good show. It really was a good show. Well, we're all sitting here. So no one told the dead dude I was thinking this. Here's a a fun little bit of trivia. Whatever you're about to say is not going to be fun, but go ahead. When the Nerdist TV show uh, premieres, there's uh, maybe like four episodes in, we do a fake sitcom with Jonah called Jonah Alone, and there's a scene where we are, Mike Furman and I are his annoying neighbors, and we're sitting on a couch together, both with guitars, and it's part of a montage, and then it pans over to Jonah, and uh, his book says how to commit double murder and make it look like suicide. (laughs) That's the book he's reading. All right, that's fun. But Mike and I are playing and singing the Friends theme. (laughs) All right, that's fun. I take it back. Thank you. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Stamps.com. Go to Stamps.com, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Nerdist for a $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale and $55 of free postage. That's Stamps.com. Enter the promo code Nerdist. Are you tired of dating assholes? Do you want a prince charming? If so, we're filming a reality show. Sign up here. 12 American women are flown over to the UK for a bachelor-style reality dating show. There are so many questions about a show like this because it's so odd. These women have been told that they were going to be dating the world's most eligible bachelor, Prince Harry. What? Y'all playing with me, right? You can binge The Bachelor of Buckingham Palace exclusively on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app.